is the evening of November the 26th, and um, on November the 27th, 1997 is when my dad lost his life to suicide. Now, I am very intentional about choosing those words, lost his life to suicide versus saying committed suicide because I firmly believe that the word committed is reserved for, you know, committing a crime. And I really don't think that that suicide is a crime. I think it's an act of desperation. It's it's somebody who just, they don't actually want to be dead. They just can't figure out how to get to the next step in life. It's often, you know, not a, a rash decision. I mean, it certainly can be. And I'm not a mental health expert. I am purely just a, a daughter who lost her father to suicide and I'm kind of sharing my experience of suicide from that point of view. But it, it's not like my dad was under the influence of any, anything when he, he lost his life um, to suicide. In fact, all of his toxicology screens came back negative following his passing. So a little bit about suicide in Canada, 10 people a day lose their life to suicide. Overall, it is the ninth leading cause of death in Canada. But in youth and young adults, suicide is the second leading cause of death. And in people aged 30 to 44, it's the third leading cause of death. So for every suicide death, there are five self-inflicted injuries requiring hospitalization. For every suicide, there are 25 to 30 suicide attempts. And for every suicide death, there are 7 to 10 people affected by suicide loss. So for anybody who is listening and maybe in crisis in Ontario, you can call here, H-E-R-E 24-7, to get 24 hours, 7 days a week crisis support and kids help phone the number is 1-800-668-6868 if you are listening and you are having thoughts about suicide I would encourage you to either call 911 get yourself to an emergency department or tell somebody you love and trust who can be there for you Suicide affects all countries and all demographics, so uh, it's not just reserved for the weak or the poor or the rich. It doesn't matter. It's kind of like a cancer. It doesn't matter what your background is. You could still be at risk. So for myself, my, um, my dad had just turned 50 about four months before his his passing and our situation was a little bit unique in the fact that I actually mourned 
the loss of my father twice. The first time I mourned him was when I was five and my parents split up and my dad moved right across the country. So I mourned the loss of the relationship that I never had the opportunity to have with my dad. He, he was at a point in his life when I was five that he wasn't able to be fully present the way he may have liked to be, the way I would have liked him to be. So I actually, from the day he left when I was five, I didn't see or hear from him till I was 13. So there was that grieving period there. And then when he came back into our lives, it wasn't really a father-daughter relationship. So we worked through that. And although it wasn't ideal, it was something. But again, mourning what I wished it could have been. And then when I was 22 and he passed away, it's that finality of mourning what will never ever be in the future so it was interesting though six days uh, before he died first of all my dad was this amazing like fun loving funny life of the party everybody wanted a piece of him kind of guy and because he was living in Calgary, whenever he came home to Ontario, if it was a week, two weeks, it didn't matter how long he was here, you actually freaking had to book an appointment to see him because he was in such high demand because he was just so fun to be around. And, um, and that was exactly the case. The last time he was home, he was home for his 50th birthday party and it was just like celebration after celebration after celebration. And one of my proudest moments was the night he slept over at my apartment. I was brand new to having my own place. I was like a month into having my own apartment and my roommates. And I was just so happy that my dad was spending the night at my apartment on my futon. And it was quite funny. I, of course, new to being on my own, preparing meals was very new to me. And I, I made what I thought was this amazing lasagna and I had actually used uh, ricotta cheese in it because that's the recipe I had later from my mom I found out my dad freaking hated ricotta cheese so here I thought I was doing this awesome thing and he probably freaking hated it but he ate it anyway and um, the last time I saw him was that night we had lasagna together we hung out he slept over at my apartment. I went off to work the next day and he went off on his journey back home to Calgary. And that was the last time I ever saw my dad alive. Six days before he passed, I'm a rip-born 22-year-old. My sister's my roommate. She's 19. We had our cousins over. It's a Friday night and we had a nice dinner together. The phone rings and we pick it up and it's dad. We're like, wow, this is pretty cool that he's calling us and my cousins are here. And so we all had a little chit-chat with him. But when we hung up the phone, I, I turned to my sister and I said, gee, it sounds like he's going through a midlife crisis. Mind you, I'm only 22 at the time, so I have little life knowledge. Uh, but he, my dad had owned his own construction company 
for years at West and he absolutely loved his job. He was a perfectionist at it. He was passionate about it. But on that phone call, he was like, oh, you know, like, I think I'm going to leave construction and I'm enrolled in doing some real estate courses in the new year. And, you know, I got this tennis elbow, like not that he complained a lot, but it was unusual for him to have all these complaints, so to speak. And I, I got off the phone and I said to my sister, ma'am, I think he's going through a midlife crisis. And we never really thought anything else about it. And so that was on a Friday night. The following Thursday, so six days later, I'm driving to work. And the sun, I got to see the sunrise that day. It's very vivid in my, my mind. And all of a sudden, I thought, shit, I have to call dad tonight, which is unusual because I never had that drive because that just wasn't how the dynamics of our relationship worked. But I thought, shit, I got to call him tonight. Never thought anything more of it. Went about my day at work. I was working a 12-hour day. We get a call that night at the office. I was working for two family physicians. Uh, I was their registered nurse. Get this call. Lo and behold, the call was actually about my dad's passing. And when I found out, the first thing that I asked my aunt, Madeline, was, was it a heart attack? Because I'm thinking, fuck, he's only 50. Like, why is he dying? Like, boom. And she, through tears, said, I wish it was, Kelly. We didn't really talk about it as a family. It was a taboo subject then. And I think even, you know, 23 years later, 22 years later, whatever, it's still kind of suicide is a taboo subject. And I remember um, my grandfather who lived out in, lived here in Ontario, the day my dad passed, my grandpa was out there making sure that dad's body came back home to Ontario so we could do our funeral and burial here in Ontario. So we had the funeral and later that evening I was um, still staying with my grandparents and I asked them, I asked my grandfather, what happened? And through sobbing tears, he managed to squeak out, Kelly, I will never tell you. I can't tell you. So that, of course, leaves me with a lot of questions. And I was fortunate enough to be working alongside a local um, Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name. Anyway, a a local physician who had contacts out west. And and I was able to, the coroner, I was able to contact the coroner on my father's case. And of course, it's very difficult to get any kind of information. So after a lot of jumping through hoops, I was able to get the toxicology screen. That's all I was able to get a hold of. 
So I know my dad was clean and sober. There was absolutely nothing in his system at the time of his passing. Um, which, you know what? It doesn't make me feel any better or make me feel any worse. It just, it was a little bit of information that I was able to receive. But it really does leave a lot of questions. Dad didn't leave a note as far as I know. Um, and I just, my heart really hurts that he felt in that moment that that really was his only option. And, you know, I just, for anybody who's suffering any kind of trauma, it is not weak to ask for help. It is a sign of incredible strength to acknowledge that you need some kind of support. And, you know, we never forget it. My dad's been gone 22 years, 23 years. And I remember every detail like it was yesterday. The phone call, the way his forehead felt in the casket, the way his hair felt, the way the way his earlobes felt. It was very important to me to touch all of those things. And just, I can't even begin to imagine the pain and suffering he had leading up to that. And I really, you know, I, I know that I have no power over erasing suicide from our vocabulary. And life isn't always easy, but I think what we need to remember is that we're not really alone in this life. There's lots of different options for support, but we do have to reach out and ask for the support. Whether we have concerns about suicide or whether we are looking to lose weight or we, we want a personal trainer, really we are all in this lifetime to serve one another in whatever way we can. And it's not a sign of weakness to accept somebody's offer for support. And so please, whatever you need in this lifetime, reach out and ask for the support that you need. Thank you for your time. Namaste.